Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I am Kelly Patrick, joined alongside Mike Gandolfo and the lovely Ashley Miller, coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon, talking all things in the world of sports. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by our man Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Give Brandon a call at 502 502- 587-0041 for all your personal injury attorney needs. You got any questions, medical malpractice, you've been in a car accident, anything, give Brandon a call. 502-587-0041. It's the morning after. We had the big game yesterday. Plenty to talk about. We hope to get a lot of fan interaction involved. 502-384-1450 is the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. It's the morning after. Mike, I got to say congratulations. Kentucky looked good. Overall, you got to say it was a good game. It's tough to be really upset with that. It looked like the better team won, and and there wasn't much other than Louisville fans being mad at Chris Jones. I don't know exactly how you can be disappointed or feel empty coming away from that game from either side. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in my opinion, you play that game ten times, it's probably the game you're going to get six or seven out of those times. I mean, that's the majority of the time that's the game that's going to happen. And um, just, and they're about, Kentucky's about eight points better. You know, Louisville's really good. I don't, you know, there's a lot of Kentucky fans out there that did not give Louisville any credit, which was uh, really not fair at all. And um, it's one of the reasons I like watching games by myself. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually I was invited to a couple really awesome game watch parties and even considered going to Yum Center, but I was like, I don't think I can, I don't think I can handle it. Like, I really need to be alone in the privacy of my own home so I can yell and Did curse you? and scream. And you were at your house? I was at my house. Kelly, where were you? What did you do? Were you working? I was actually, I got to watch it at work. Okay. So oh, then, good. it uh, was an interesting atmosphere, though. Nonetheless, yeah, was I'm it fifty-fifty sure. or fifty-fifty? Ah, uh, no, there was more cards fans. Yeah, okay. Actually, yeah, definitely more cards fans where I was at. Okay, more cards fans. Um, I got to rewatch it last night afterward. Right, but I, did, I did the same. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I watched it. I, I ended up watching with my dad and my brother and uh, and and some other friends. Uh, and I don't mind watching it with them, but. My, especially my brother, he's he's such a freaking homer that you know. I just don't like watching the game with like every single time something doesn't go right for your team. It's a foul on the other team, and like you know how they miss that. I, just because to me, like I thought the officiating in that game was awesome, and it, and it really was the way that Louisville needed it to be because they let them play right. Neither team in the bonus in the first half. Uh, Kentucky didn't shoot a free throw in the first half. But how many times have we seen this UK U of L game where the officiating has like completely taken the flow out of the game? Yeah, and uh, that didn't happen here. I mean, uh, they let them they let them battle it out, and they still, for the most part, kept it under control. Yeah, I mean, the cards were in it. They were in it. They uh, got everything they needed. By the way, they had the they forced Kentucky into turnovers, which I thought was a huge key. They did not rebound very well on the uh, on their defensive end, especially. Which we knew, like that's something we talked about last week that was a big key to victory for us is trying to keep your alls, well, all of the guys off the glass. And um, I think for the most part, we did a decent job. As much as we could be expected to, they still won the rebounding battle 46 to 33. The important number there is that Kentucky had more offensive rebounds than Louisville had defensive rebounds. Yeah. Sure. And you think, uh, like, the biggest. For me, issue besides Chris Jones probably shot thirty times. 
<laughs> Three for 15 to be exact. Um, The biggest issue, like the fact we couldn't hit a shot. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, ter- struggled offensively. The cards have some serious... 21% o- in the first half. Some Terry. serious offensive problems for the cards. But Terry, Terry's a hero today, and he missed more shots than Chris Jones did. Yeah, You're I right. Mean, he actually took more shots in the flow of the game, I felt like. I would totally agree with that. And you know what? Here's, here's the problem with Wolf, and this is what I should be, you should be upset about as far as the shots go. I thought Kentucky did an unbelievable job in transition defense. Louisville only gets two fast break points, even though they forced nine turnovers and had or nineteen turnovers and had ten steals. Two fast break points. Louisville, Kentucky was amazing in the uh, transition defense, and they were unbelievable in protecting the rim and knowing what shots they wanted to give Louisville. We kept on seeing how well Louisville was getting that ball fake uh, and and getting Kentucky's uh, shot blockers in the air. If you don't practice that like all the time. Making that ball fake and taking a dribble and making that shot is really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you're catching and shooting or even just coming straight off the dribble and shooting. And I think, uh, I think that had something to do with it. I, I think, like, you know, I think Rick obviously, when on the show Friday we did here, um, we were talking about how if Louisville was going to be effective scoring, it had to be finding a way to penetrate, making the pass, and then making the next pass. And and that did not happen at that all. That did not happen. The cards recorded. Wait for one it. assist. One assist. And it was by Chris Jones. The lowest total by a ranked team since they've been keeping the stat. That tells that is very telling in in the way that if you have offensive woes, the best way to facilitate it is passing, in my opinion. If you think like open shots. We didn't take very many open shots at all. Like every pretty much every shot that we took was contested. And well the and, open shots that were there are the ones that Kentucky let them have. Yeah. I mean, for a reason. I think they were open for a reason. Mm. In in Kentucky's I don't know about that. But I think that uh the other side of that is we stopped the times that we ran our offense through Montrose Harrell, we had very productive things happen. Well how many times does that happen? Because that didn't happen a whole lot. But no, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, it didn't happen enough. Like, it, the times it, that he got the ball and got to make a post move, whether or not he made the shot, it put us in a good position, or they tried to double down and he got a kick out for someone else to get, like, a couple of dribbles and a jump shot up. But we stopped doing that in the second half. Like, they started at the beginning of the first half. They started at the beginning of the second half and a couple times in between. But every time they did that, something awesome happened. And Montrez has four field goals, two are uh, defensive putbacks, and two of them are regular just – in the flow of the offense field goals. And, uh, well, yeah, like post moves. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and to me, he – I thought – I don't want to say he played bad because I thought, especially at the beginning of the game, first off, I also had to take – Eric Crawford had something today about Louisville's five position not showing up and playing very well and only having zero points and five combined rebounds. They were so good. And at the base of that zone, mm-hmm. and how quick their hands were, they're, they're, I was I was blown away by how fast Louisville's hands were were, and how well they were anticipating um, the pass, and how prepared they were for for Kentucky as far as that goes. And I, to me, I thought Mango and Shinanu gave them exactly what they needed to give them. They're they're not going to score a ton. Yeah, I mean, and that's I don't think that's their role. Their no. role isn't to necessarily go out there and put up 15, 20 points in a game. If they do, that's awesome and totally extra. But what we needed from them is what they gave us, and that was defensive presence down there in the bottom of the zone and trying to make their bigs have to put in some effort to get the ball up. And I think they did a really good job of that. And we obviously saw that the game was way too physical for Rick to feel comfortable putting a Nas in the game at all. Yeah, he's too small. 
Yeah, and that's probably true. Oh, and no then, question about it. That guy's... Cause if, I mean, you see the way that, like, everybody was getting pushed around on both sides. Like, Anas needed another 40 pounds to even stay upright in that game. And I, I love his game. He's probably my favorite, like, up-and-coming cardinal. But um, Not in a game like this. Not this year. Not this year. I could have told you uh, after the Ohio State game that... Shinanu is much better suited for well, his body size. Like if Shinanu had Anasis skill set, sure, that would be like the complete player. It could that would be a much higher caliber player. Shinanu's got some muscle to him. Sometimes a little bit of awkwardness, maybe offensively, but he's the type guy that you want. I mean, he got five rebounds. Um, Montrez Harrell, Terry Rozier each got eight to lead the team. Uh, but five rebounds for both Mango and Shinanu, not horrible production no, out of your big guys. Absolutely neither, not. Neither of them scored a point, but when you're, you're comparing it to Willie Cauley-Stein and Carl Anthony Towns, Trey Lyles. Who, Willie Cauley-Stein had how many points? Willie Cauley-Stein did not have like an incredible – actually, when you really think about it, Willie Cauley-Stein and, um, <clears throat> and Montrez, to me, had very similar just type games. I mean, yeah. Six rebounds, six. three steals for Willie Cauley-Stein, five points. Five points. No blocks. And then um, – I thought Carl Towns was amazing. I will have to tell you, like, there's always, like, I don't like him. Really? (laughs) No, I think he's a good player, but, like, his him and uh, the kid Booker, those two, I feel like I don't like attitude-wise. I feel like they're arrogant. Well, Carl Towns came on our show last year, last spring, and uh, did a 20-minute interview with with the Weekend Sports Buzz, and I thought it was... An incredible interview from that guy, and uh, I, I, I've gotten a chance to be around Carl a lot more than I've been around Devin. And he, Carl, is about—I mean, as good as a kid as you're going to get. 4.0 student, uh, in, extremely um, intelligent and articulate. And someone told me the same thing about Devin Booker, but I was like, their on the court personalities are very arrogant, and I don't know if that's something they do on purpose or not. But Carl, why does he shoot his free throws with his mouth open? That really bothered me. <laughs> <It's> totally <laughs> random. <laughs> <laughs> just All right. small that got on my nerves. Um, yeah, but those two, everybody else, I was fine. I actually said the same thing about um, Aaron Harrison because he has like this kind of snarky like oh, face yeah. that he makes all the Absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah. It gets on my nerves because I'm like, what's wrong with you? And by the way, just as upset as loyal fans are with Chris Jones, Kentucky fans are equally as upset when Harrison played. I mean, he uh, was terrible. They, they, they just didn't. Neither one of them played. I mean, first off, Ulyss, Ulyss stole the show. Both of them were terrible, right? I mean. And uh, Euless was unbelievable, and uh, and and for Euless and Booker to play a combined fifty four minutes and never not have a single turnover against that Louisville defense um, was really really impressive. And uh, <coughs> Euless was by far to me the best point guard on the floor, um, and and probably Euless and Terry were the two best guards on the floor. Euless, a lot of cards fans and other people out there. Were left yesterday saying, "Oh, so that's why Calipari recruited a, a little guy." <laughs> and I think what, what a lot of people, if you follow recruiting, Tyler Ulis and um, <clears throat> Quinn Snyder were always ranked like right next to each other, especially in the point guard rankings. Like one of them would be the sixth best point guard, one would be the seventh best point guard, or whatever. And uh, and <clears throat> just, just not fair. Well, you know, I. We only got to see Quentin for like a, I think he played a minute. So I, I was really surprised that we didn't see any of Anton Gill. 
like not a single. I think that minute. tells me what is very commonsensical. You watch it, and he needs to add some muscle, like yeah. Anas does. And if you want to play in a physical game with monsters, which Kentucky is, um, you need to. You need to. I mean, Chris Jones, say what you will about him. He knows how to play on the ball defense, and he, he's he's not going to get pushed around. And I think that earns playing time as much as anything. And those are two areas that Anton Gill simply lacks in. He just does. <sighs> They need him, and they need they need uh, Shaquan Aaron, who looks like Shaquan can. Oh, I'm come really, along. really, really excited about him. Uh, he did not play good against CSUN, but he looked a lot better yesterday. And um, I mean, he didn't even take a shot in the previous game, right? I mean, he just looked, shot. he looked very just unsure, not a place, but and, fast, but fast. He's athletic, and you can't. There's no doubt about it. And he's long, very long. Yeah, yeah. kind of like, um, and I know it's on a different level, but I remember when Russ played a little bit his freshman year. I didn't know how good he was going to be, yeah. but I remember saying, "Wow, that guy's really fast." He almost yeah. looks awkwardly fast, like so he's like just Russ mo- Smith, but six seven. Maybe, <laughs> and that wasn't necessarily the comparison I was trying to make. But yeah, maybe a similar type motor, and that's the type guy that Rick looks for is somewhat of an undervalued workhorse um, who just happens to have a great motor and, and great energy. So hopefully, that's what Shaquan Aaron turns into. He should slide right in there next year as Wayne Blackshear graduates, right? And kind of take fill that void. Well, going that's the other. I mean, Gill's going to have to slide into that spot, the two guard spot, if it's going to be him and Terry in the backcourt. I don't know if Gill's part of the. I mean, is he? Who, you, how big of a contributor do you see Gill being even next? I mean, year? but who else is the option? It's Quentin be, Snyder. It's going to be Quentin and Terry, and or Terry, not, I mean, Terry, yeah, and Terry. He's not ready. And really, you're going to need all three. It doesn't really matter. I mean, you're going to need all three, and hopefully, maybe get something out of Donovan Mitchell next year. You know, from that at that spot too. Um. Eventually, Gill's going to have to figure it out, you know, or he's going to be transferring. And well, and that's just it. Just I just cannot figure out why what what is not working for him. Uh, I don't, it seems like I don't know. It's something his shot seems way off, and I don't know if it's that he's lost confidence in it or what. But it seems he seems uncomfortable. Like his body language, even like he's almost like hesitating before he shoots everything. I don't know what it is. The kid's good. I mean, I just want everyone to know the kid. It's not like he's not talented or skilled enough to play. I've seen him play against this caliber player. He is good enough to play here. And and uh, Gill, Gill, yeah. I mean, he looked like that in a high school, a legitimate top level high school game. Is that what you're war- you're basing? Yeah, but that I on? saw him when I saw him play. I saw him play against you know guys that are now in the NBA and you know or guys that are, um, you know, I saw him in some pretty top-tier matchups, and when he was at Hargrave, he was playing big-time schools that are, you know, basically other small college-type programs. Like you know? the team we saw him play? In Iroquois. Yeah. yeah. And this guy, he is capable of playing Louisville basketball, and I, he just needs to, you know, keep his head up, and eventually he'll break out, and I think he's gonna, once he breaks out, he's going to be there. Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzzline, 502-384-1450. We look forward to having plenty of interaction today on the show. It's the morning after. Uh, majority of our, our listeners are Louisville fans. The question I'll ask to our listeners is, Cal is now, what, 7-1? and one? All-time winningest coach for Kentucky versus Louisville. So no Kentucky coach has more wins. 7-1 and one against the Cards since he's arrived in Lexington. Mike, you said it before the show. This game really doesn't matter. What hap- what matters is what happens in March. My question to you card fans is, is that the case? If you're being honest and you're looking in the mirror and you're looking at Rick's resume while at, at Louisville, 
Is it tainted knowing that Cal has owned him and had to have matchups? The only year Rick has won is a year that Kentucky was knocked out in the first round of the NIT. That's what it took for Rick to beat Kentucky since Cal has been in Lexington. And Actually, Louisville won the national title that year, too. Louisville won the national title. So it took the best of Louisville and the worst of Cal's cats for that to come together. Ashley, what does that mean to you? Does it mean anything? I mean, obviously, um, I think that for the fans, it's a big deal because it's a huge rivalry. And, um, but like I said last week, and they actually mentioned on air yesterday that the winner of this game, three of the last four years, was in the national championship game. So that says a lot for the caliber of basketball in, in the state of Kentucky, which is great. However, um, I think it's a good litmus test for what the teams are capable of. I mean, at this point, obviously, like, Kentucky's not going to play anybody else worth a darn. And they're not going to play anybody worth a darn in the SEC. Like, at least, if they don't lose focus, Kentucky should run the table. Now, but they, Louisville, they won't, though. They may not. They may, but I don't know. If they lose a game, it's because they've gotten arrogant and they've completely overlooked an opponent because there's no one else on the schedule that's as good as the team that you guys just beat yesterday. For us, I think it's encouraging because we obviously play defense well enough to beat anybody in the country. There's nobody else offensively as talented as University of Kentucky that we're going to play the rest of the season. So that's a bright spot for us. The, the, the bad part for us is that our offense is bad enough to lose anybody in the country on any given night. Because if we're clicking on all cylinders and we're actually make, we make half the shots that we miss, we win that game by 15. But I mean, honestly, not, there's a lot. Let's not act like those shots were... Not well, I mean, Kentucky's defense. I mean, well, Kentucky's you defense. go ahead and talk then. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying. Because <laughs> I wasn't talking about the fact that Kentucky's not. I already said that our, we didn't even shoot any shot that was uncontested. Right. I just already I, said right, that. Right. I'm, well, I'm saying had we made those shots. I'm not saying that we just were missing like bunnies, although we missed a few of those. Wayne's layup. Um, <laughs> oh, it was free throws. Moment oh. of silence for that. Um, <laughs> but we, I think... Louisville's good enough to be anybody in the country also. Now, come March, who's in better shape? We don't know. We don't because know. Because the thing, I think the good thing about the ACC and the conference that Louisville's in now is that we will have had to face a Duke or North Carolina like multiple times before we even get to conference tournament play. So come March Madness, I think that we're a little bit more battle-tested and ready to compete I mean, it's still early, and like you said, like we have players that haven't reached any potential. We've got Shaquan Aaron on his second game, like that could potentially be a huge asset for the Cardinals two months from now. So I don't know. I think it's. I think that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. No, is it a huge um, boost to the ego of the fans on one side or the other? Absolutely. But what matters, like Mike said earlier, is what happens in March. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, how Louisville responds to the loss as we head into more ACC play and then what that looks like in the tournament. And I will tell you, if we end up in the same bracket again in March, I'm blowing up wherever <laughs> that room is where they do the Selection Sunday. <laughs> I don't You're see, not going to be happy. I don't see Louisville being the worst two seed, though. In order to make that happen, you know? I, don't, I mean, at this point, we shouldn't be a two seed at all. Yeah. 
And, and, and to me, if for Louisville, it's, you're going to tell a lot. They got three games now until they have they go to North Carolina. And the reason why I put that out there is because North Carolina, even though they've been up and down this year, they are they are they are probably like the third or fourth most talented team in the country as far as just raw talent. And they've got the size and the length that's kind of similar to Kentucky. And so to see how uh, Louisville plays on the road at North Carolina, to me, that's going to be. Uh, it's going to give you a really good idea of where, where Louisville is. Um, they're better than North Carolina right now. I don't think there's any doubt. I just think North Carolina's the type of team that can give Louisville trouble. Sure. We are the weekend. I'm sorry. We are the weekend sports buzz. If you want to get involved in the talk this morning, call us in the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line, 502-384-1450. If you're watching the game at home, you had to endure an overtime game, and you had to be flipping the channels between Georgetown and Indiana, in order to get to your, your Cards and Cats rivalry game. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line. Now we got our man, The Truth, on the line with us. How you doing this morning, Truth? Well, I'm happy to be an Indiana fan, but also I, I watch a lot of college games. I watched the Bowl game. I was really disappointed the way I've been watching college basketball. Uh, I really don't like getting, begin to not watch, want to watch it anymore. Why's that? I, you know, it's sad about uh, young kids. Uh, I was talking to some older guys who was watching the book that they don't have the fundamentals no more. You know, it's, it's shoot three pointers or try to dunk. And it's really, America basketball is really hurt. Don't you think it is? I, I don't. I think there's some truth to that. Certainly, the truth is dropping some truth, no question about it. I mean, you see Montrez Harrell, I know he didn't do it much. How many threes did he shoot yesterday? He just shot the one. The one, which just really rubbed me. terrible shot. Really rubbed me the wrong way. And and so if you're using an example of someone who who likes to shoot threes and only dunk, look no further than the card's best player, Montrez Harrell. Hey, I'm going to tell you somebody had a great game, had an out. Apart, Yogi Fern played out of his mind yesterday. He definitely did. And you know, and it's so sad that we judge uh, people about how small they are. If you can play ball, you can play ball. If Yogi Fern was on Kentucky team, he'd be a first team All American, probably win the John Wooden Award. If he played like he did yesterday, and y'all know I'm telling the truth. Well, I'll tell you right now, if we're going to go when we're comparing the point guards between all the schools, Yogi Ferrell's the best point guard out of any of the three schools. Wow. So, okay. I mean, I, he, he is playing big man, big boy basketball right now. And uh, uh, he that was a hell of a game yesterday. And, and if you didn't see it, which I'm, I know most people did because it was going up to it, it. Didn't have an option. I walked into that game, and Georgetown was up five with like, with like four minutes left to go, just under four minutes left to go. Indiana swung that to – they're up five. And Georgetown swung that to their five, back to Indiana, tying it up, all in that matter of that four minutes. Um, and Yogi hitting those big threes at the end to, to put it to overtime, it was it was really incredible. I'm going to tell you something. I've been an Indiana, uh, Indiana fan for 51 years. And yesterday was the first time in a long time since uh, uh, Bob Knight I feel that Indiana basketball is back. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, they're – the Big Ten's not great this year. I, I think and Indiana, Indiana can definitely go with a, a get a 500 uh, or better record in the Big Ten and make the make the dance, and then Tom Green will be back another year. We're going to win the Big Ten because I tell you what, the rest of the Ohio, the only team I can see giving us a problem in the Big Ten is Ohio State and Wisconsin. The rest of them garbage. And I'll see y'all next week.
Happy New Year. Go Hoos. I don't. He might. He might actually. You know, I could see them finishing that top three for sure. I mean, Yogi, twenty-seven points yesterday, nine for fifteen shooting, five for ten from three-point range. Um, he is really at a high level right now. And uh, the, the those, those three scorers they have, Yogi and Blackman and Troy Williams, right now. I mean, they're they are just playing at a different level. Not so. much production offensively from their bench. No, only two points outside of the starting five. Similar, but, similar to Louisville. Yeah, I similar mean. to Louisville. When we talk about what this game means, what it means to me is Kentucky fans, if they want to, they can play the Cal owns Rick card. But at the end of the day, you can also argue that championships are what matters. Rick has won one title while at Louisville. It's taken him a, a, you know, substantially longer than it has for Cal to win a title. But whoever makes it the farthest in the tournament, in effect, really wins that year. So, looking at Rick's history and the way that he does excel, back on the 2012-2013 season, the Cards lost early to Duke. They then went for a three-game losing streak on Saturday, January 19th through January 26th. They lost three games. Um, And they then bounced back. They lost that five-overtime game to Notre Dame. On February 9th. Which and then they still just, irks me. Still, yeah. It <laughs> sticks in the, the mind of everybody. But then they got so hot right when they needed to. And that's what Rick specializes in when his team does the best. They all come together at the right time. Does this team have that type of potential? I don't know. I would guess it probably doesn't have quite the Gorgie Jang, Luke Hancock presence at the, the three and the five spot. But... Rick's teams have shown that they do stumble at some point during the year. How they rebound and how they respond to that is what is really telling. So we'll see. Will Kentucky win it all? Will they go undefeated? There's a whole different storyline there for for the Kentucky Wildcats. Who do you think could beat them, Mike, honestly? And I'm I'm trying to be unbiased. Who in the hell is going to beat this Wildcats team? Well, I think it's... Just like what Ashley said, it's not the team that they get up for. It's not going to be a Florida or something like that that they're are expected to go in there and have a dogfight with and they can get up for that team. It's going to be that middle-of-the-road SEC team that they kind of overlook and they lay the same egg they laid against Columbia or Buffalo and barely win those two games. It's going to be one of the, you know, it's going to be Arkansas or LSU. LSU's the one that probably worries me the most because their guard play is really good. Um, <clears throat> you know, it could even be a Tennessee, uh, someone like that that's, uh, away from Rupp, they don't handle the crowd very well, and they're just they're just not on. You know, I don't think it's going to be necessarily one of these top opponents that knocks them off. It's going to be kind of one of these middle of the road, uh, middle of the road teams. Something like Auburn is someone who I've penciled you know, as possibly. You know, I, I think I don't know if they play Auburn at Auburn, but with Bruce Pearl being there and stuff like that, and they've picked up a couple you know transfers and stuff like that, and JUCO players. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. You know, someone they just don't respect, and it comes back to bite them. No question about it. Um, we've got the NFL today. My Bengals have a pretty big game against the Steelers. I don't know how, exactly how I feel about it. We got our picks to make. How did we do last week? I went with uh, all the favorites. I haven't, I haven't tied them up yet, but I will do that during the break. No problem. We've got uh, plenty to talk about this morning on the weekend sports buzz. Breaking down this Wildcats and, and Cardinals game. We'll obviously get the majority of our attention this morning, but there's plenty of those of other storylines in the world of sports right now, right, guys? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, 
if we if we even want to just stay in Louisville Cardinal or local land, we have a big conversation okay. about the oh, yeah. Bowl. Oh yeah, we got a Georgia two days. Cards, <laughs> yeah. Which Ashley, you will be representing us there. Yeah, I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm excited. Plus, we'll have the national semifinals before we talk next Sunday too. So, oh, that's true because that's I mean, what uh, on Thursday is it? Third, yeah, Thursday. So we got a, there's a ton of ton to touch on. No question about it. We're going to head to a break. Be sure to stay tuned to the weekend sports buzz. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by our man Brandon J. Lawrence. Give Brandon a call, 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city. Let's get some fire into the show this morning, guys. Well, I mean, seriously, I mean, after the Louisville won the football game, we had like nine callers in the first 15 minutes, and now Louisville... Louisville loses, and everyone's quiet all What sudden. exactly are you insinuating? I'm just saying that there's a little bit of uh, people don't want to call in when, you know, when they when they're, they have their tails tucked between their legs a little bit, and they don't, you know. Uh, are you saying that the Mike's majority, of, the the ma- majority of our fan, our listeners are Cards fans, and that they don't call in after a loss? Is the that only, you- well, the only Cats fan that ever calls in is Hink, and I would love to hear from Hink today. Oh, I would that not. Would, <laughs> Let's hear from Hink. Is he the only Cats fan we've had call in? I mean, pretty much. Every once in a while, we might get a you know one here and there, you know, but especially one guy disguising his voice. Okay, uh, but so we got that ammo. Yeah. We can move forward into another transition. The Cards do have a big bowl game. Uh, from from our perspective, it's not part of the playoff, but they end the season ranked. They get a chance to once again upset an SEC power. In the Belk Bowl, Ashley, you're going to represent the site, KentuckySports.co. You're leaving in the morning. That's exciting. Yeah. The, the upward trajectory, and I, I stole that phrase, I think, from Howard Schnellenberger, right? Mm-hmm. I'll continue to use it. I'm fine with that. I think you should. I should. The upward trajectory of this Louisville football program is undeniable. Coming into the ACC, the, the program's looking strong. It'll be interesting after that loss in Commonwealth next year. We'll see what happens. Oh, so, regardless. Kentucky, Seriously? Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky does not have a bowl game coming up. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Brandon J. Lawrence just tried to uh, rub my face in the dirt on Twitter. Well, ours, I guess, since he tried to um, post a picture of my least favorite player on y'all's roster, the basketball team. And he said, uh, there's always the Belk Bowl. Go Dogs. <laughs> and I said... Um, <laughs> Go dogs! I said, oh, that's a victory for the cards while the cats watch from home. Oh, yeah. Michael, Michael Dyer is also watching from home. Oh, he sure is. Um, and then he says, can't stop Nick Chubb. <laughs> I is mean, that his name, on. Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb's the, the running I, back. He's the, back. Yeah. he's the starter now. He'll yeah. watch it, too. He's a very talented guy, too. He'll be an NF playing on Sundays. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's He's a freshman. Is he a, a redshirt freshman? I think he's a redshirt freshman, yeah. Wow. That's his first year in college football. So, Regardless, big game for, for Louisville. If they win, Mike. Okay, I'll put you on the spot here. If Louisville wins, upsets Georgia, that will be an upset, right? Every ball we play in, it's an upset. It's an upset because Georgia is a six and a half point favorite. Well, so, yeah, I feel like in, every team in, playing a ball game is always a favorite. I, I honestly, Louisville football gets no respect. 
um, before the dire situation arose, by the way, which we had well before it was announced, and we just didn't. We sat on that, didn't we? We sat on it. And For it, like a week. But you know what? It was... I don't want to throw a kid under the we bus. We just start throwing out it. rumors. Like yeah, that. yeah. Exactly. Well, it, that's not us. At KentuckySports.co, John Hancock, Shane Stovall, Matt McCarthy, Tyler Bloyd, everybody works very hard, and believe it or not, say what you want about our website and our sources, we don't drop something unless we have legitimate sources on it. Which happened last year. Which happened last year. We Believe it or not, we Broke the Bobby New- Bobby Petrino as the head coach of the Louisville Cardinals football team news before anyone else did. Along with the caveat <laughs> that it wasn't just Bobby going to Louisville. It was it was Brom, Brom going to Western. Brom going in. So we, we, did, we do have some sources. We don't like to go out and necessarily report it once we hear it. We need to make sure that it's true. And we did with the Bobby story. And really, in hindsight, we could have with the Michael Dyer story. We just weren't we weren't quite as confident with it as we, as we wanted to be. Yeah, and I just think also when it involves a kid like that, you don't want to – you want to be absolutely certain when it's a kid. You know, I, I don't know. I, maybe that's wrong of me to think that way, but I just uh, – but, again, before Dyer, uh, the Dyer situation arose, I really felt like Louisville was going to win this game. I don't know what this does to their chances because now you've got to hope that you know L.J. Scott pops up and has a good game. Dominic Brown has a good game. I don't think. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What about Brandon Radcliffe? Yeah, Brandon Radcliffe. Like, I think we're that's fine. That's what I was going to really say. Brandon Radcliffe. It can't be just Brandon Radcliffe. Well, I think the thing is with <coughs> Michael Dyer, he was a non-factor in more games than he was a factor. So I don't really think that's a huge loss. And I also think. You know, and the fact that we've had, I don't know how many days to prepare for this game, and he's obviously not been back with the team for quite some time. Like, they knew before we knew, so I'm sure they've been planning for that. So I don't really think, you know, it's as big of a, a deal. Um, on the other hand, I, th- I thought it was a cool story I read in the CJ yesterday with, like, Lorenzo Malden and a couple of the other seniors. Their fo- first bowl game that they played in as freshmen was the Belk Bowl, and they're ending their career there. That's really awesome. That's kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, it's a cool thing, I think. I I, I, th- I think we can't uh, dismiss though that once Devontae Parker came back, Dyer had an uptick, and he didn't play well against Kentucky. There's no doubt about it. Um, but he was that second half of the season. Dyer was fairly consistent, and uh, he was you know pretty big against Florida State. He uh, I just it's going to be uh, one running back pulling the load is going to be tough. L.J. Scott or Dominic Brown's going to have to have a productive game. Doesn't have to have a great game, but they need to have like you know be able to have 40, 50 yards and uh, and carry the ball, uh, you know, ten to fifteen times, and uh, and be productive. That's that's my thing. And the other thing we talked about is I don't think this is a great matchup for Louisville, especially since uh, and we talked about this a little bit last week with Holloman. Like this is the kind of game that can really expose Holloman's weaknesses of tackling and and how well can Louisville can control the edge, which they've had trouble with all year. Right, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Georgia's not going to go out there and sling it around. They're going to. They're going to pound the ball right up the middle. Right. And Louisville does have a very stout defense. I mean, it, it could be worse. Um, it could be worse for you. Could have a, a worse defense set up against this rushing attack of Georgia and that all, very strong offensive line and just running attack that they have. But you're right, that it has been a weakness at points in the year, and they have not faced anyone with the rushing attack. Well, with the exception of uh, that first game against Miami, when they saw one of the best running backs in college football, and they did all right, you know. But I think the difference was... Is Duke that, Johnson? Yeah, who uh, became Miami's all-time leading rusher yesterday. Wow. 
He he missed the bowl game, I think, last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, and then, um, but you know, now you got you got. Uh, I, I think the Georgia defense is probably better than Miami, and obviously, Miami losing to South Carolina is not a great loss for for the for the Hurricanes. So the system says cards win in a close game. Really? Does it? Does the system take an effect? Some losing a player like Dyer, or does it just take over? No, effect? it takes an effect overall. Well, I can't tell you that. I almost started Mike, telling the trying, secret. Mike, what are you trying to do here? He's trying to get the secret. I'm saying the system might be flawed in this case. Well, it does take into account, like when you're looking at certain statistics, you're going to know that if the player like that is missing, you will be able to calculate that in your overall assessment of okay. the game. <laughs> I, I think this is going to be, you know what, in all the bowl games this year so far have been extremely entertaining. Um, and I think that this is going to be another one that, like Ashley says, is probably going to go down the wire and going to be another good one. I think Louisville is every bit as good and belongs on the field with Georgia. Anyone who looks at the fact that Georgia came on the road to Kentucky and beat the crap out of Kentucky and then Kentucky turns around and goes on the road to Louisville and Louisville only wins by four, that's a mistake to look at that way because from a matchup standpoint, it's, it's such a different such a different deal. In the final college football playoff rankings at the end of the year, Georgia came in as the number 13 team in the country, where Louisville was the 21st. So not that big of a stretch between the, the two rankings, two very and what accomplished teams. What does that mean? They're both legit top 25 teams. They're both... This is a... It's a good matchup. This is one of the better bowls out there. Well, it's probably the best Belk Bowl there ever you know, that they've ever had. The Belk Bowl's never really been this great bowl game, right? That reminds me of that quote. What was the, the Western Kentucky Bowl that they played in? Where they, they, the Bahamas Bowl, right? They, they, I read one quote where, um, I think it was JT the Brick or somebody like that said, by far... What the an great, awesome name. The, the, <laughs> JT the Brick? JT the Brick. Yeah, he great... He's not related to me. Great, great uh, Fox <laughs> Sports Radio host, mostly at night. Great guy from New York. Lives in Los Angeles, covers the Raiders now, but I love his show. Anyways, I saw on Twitter he said, by far the greatest college football play in the history of the Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> That's safe but what say. does that mean? <laughs> what, what, exactly, <laughs> what, that mean? what exactly does that mean? But that was a, a very Did exciting you, ending <clears throat> to that Western game. Well, we had Christmas Eve over at our house that day, and, and I was cooking a big meal. You were I, cooking? I, I cooked. What did you cook? Let's, well, <clears throat> let's talk about it. It was French toast casserole. This French toast casserole is amazing. I made a quiche. So you want to make that for us next week? <laughs> I got You got to maintain that figure of yours. So uh, <laughs> anyway, the uh, I, I turned it off at 42-14. It's like, man, Western's killing them. They're looking great. And then when I saw the final score and saw the replay of that, of that specific play, I was like, I, I just couldn't even believe that Western put themselves in that situation. Um, Bacon was in here Friday, and he's like, well, I could because I guess Western's had a history of that this whole year of getting big leads and then letting them up. So, What an exciting style, though. I mean, yeah. y- anybody who tuned into that game, you watched the Twitter timeline, that was just... Crazy. Crazy. That was a crazy game in a cool way. Jeff, you know? and Jeff Brom has two more good years, and he's probably... Where? He's going somewhere, don't you think? I mean, somewhere decent? Sure. A mid-level BCS job? So sure. you're trying to say Western Kentucky is not decent? No, Western Kentucky is definitely good, but there's no doubt about it, a stepping stone job. We've talked locally thus far. To take it to a national and coaching change type job conversation, 
Look no further than the Big Ten, Michigan, bringing in Jim Harbaugh. It's official. It, this broke that it's a definitely official? The last I saw it was official this morning, yes. Okay, because on the radio it looked like it was going to happen, but it hadn't happened yet. And I knew the 49ers were going to fire him after today's game um, if, if he didn't. And that's leave. your team. Oh, yeah, that's your team. Yeah, so. Um, Let me see if that's official. I believe it's official. Or, or that there's multiple sources. They're reporting it, yeah. Multiple sources. Okay, so not official. Multiple sources. Yahoo Sports, Detroit Free Press, ESPN. It looks like Jim Harbaugh will return to Michigan. My question is, how often does someone come back to their, their, where, where they went to school at and that ends up, well, ends up well? Have we seen it? Roy Williams won a championship or two for the Tar Heels, and he was a, 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 an alumni, right? I know he coached there. Um, I know he's, he's a Carolina man, which you had to be to keep he, up he, their academic he, scam. Um, he played for, for Carolina also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow, Mike, you taking some shots there at Carolina and their academic the, the scam. Formal, the former academic institution that was North Carolina. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Shots fired. <laughs> Did you all, Was it old news that UAB canceled their football program? Because I saw that yesterday yeah, that and was that was about a while ago. Was it because I, they were showing a clip um, of the kids like crying in the locker room um, yesterday on TV during the UAB game basketball game, and it, I was like, "Why are they playing this?" Or was this like a new thing that I missed? I yeah, it just wasn't profitable. Um, and, and there are questions to whether or not it was. Some people were questioning whether it was a good fiscal decision. But at the end of the day, college football is around. Because it brings in a lot of revenue for the schools, right? It's hard to have a profitable football program in the state of Alabama. Sarcasm. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean. But, but, but for some reason, they, they close the doors. So they don't have the program anymore. Right. Well, maybe it's hard to have a profitable football program in the state of Alabama outside of. The two schools that you're competing. Troy. Yeah. Troy does pretty good, yeah. That's true. I mean. Uh, by the way, Roy only played JV at Carolina, but he definitely he went to Carolina. Oh, okay. He only played JV. Wow. Yeah. So he, him being a Carolina Can we guy. bring back the JV team? Should we do that? Who on Louisville's team would be on the JV team? Uh, Everybody except for the four guys at score. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I, I, I know. Um, Snyder. Matt Snyder. You, Anton Gill. Anton Gill would be the, on the, he'd be the starting star. You joke, but that's exactly what Rick did for Scott Pageant and Nazi Mohammed. You know what? I, that just You just reminded me of something that I was thinking yesterday that I wanted to say earlier. Um, we're talking about my mood. The best thing, the thing that makes me most excited about his future, besides the fact that I think he's already good and we know he's going to gain weight and get stronger and all of that, the fact that David Padgett is on the sideline, that he's helping coach him, changes everything. That is by far like my favorite center of all time. Him and Gorgie and their ability to yeah, pass, those are my top two, pass out of the high post really changed the game. And what it did was it prevented something like yesterday happening. Yeah, you have absolutely. a guy like that out there, he's going to get two, three assists minimum. It changes the entire a game. game. And then you got other guys who are passing. Passing is contagious. Look at the Spurs. Look at any team that passes well. Louisville, uh, we're on the heels of just the worst assist performance what did you say, Mike? What's the statistic? In history. The, it, in the his, let's just go ahead and say, <laughs> in the history the, of the world. Yeah, it was the first ever time, I guess, a ranked team had only had one assist in the ballgame. That is horrible. This Absolutely is not horrible. a team that has any offensive fluidity whatsoever. We're they not play talking good about, defense. We're not talking about the 23rd ranked team. We're talking about the 4th ranked team in the country. 
and will probably stay in the top five after this week. Sure. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. But, yeah, when David Padgett came on, I was like, yes. Like, I, I just love him, period. Um, obviously partial to, to big man, period. But the fact that my mood is there, like, and even it may, you know, it may help Mango, even though I don't think, like, he's that same style of player. But I think that um, Anas really has the skill set and the touch on the basketball to be that type of floor general in the next year or two. Yeah, I would love to see it. I, really I, also, I also see him possibly having that type of soft touch talent um, he can th- th- the ball. Yeah, he he's a good shoot. shooter. Yeah. He seems to have a good head on his shoulders. He's got to add some muscle. Mm-hmm. Mike, you called out the Louisville fans. I may be wrong. I believe we've got a response. We've got Angelo on the line with us. How are you doing this morning, Angelo? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, Angelo, how's it going? Yeah, good morning. Hey, okay. Hey, okay, I'm a, I'm a big Louisville fan, but let me tell you, I think we got some fundamental issues there. I think that we need players more ready. I think we're too much in this project mode. I think, you know, Gorgi was uh, great, but I think some of these guys are just way too far, uh, far too away from being ready. Uh, I think the one assist is atrocious. Uh, I, I just see some fundamental issues with, with the way we're doing things. I'm a big local fan, but it's not going to work, man. You can't. You got to get these boys off the bench and play them. Right. It's just the bottom line, guys. But we can go back and forth and say this guy's going to develop. That's got to going to develop. But it's all about getting them ready, man. One well, thing I hate, Calipari. I hate Kentucky, but he puts those boys on the floor, man. Do you think that, because I know you mentioned, like, Gorgie, like, the project, and I think you're right that Patino is definitely becoming more notorious for picking these guys and kind of trying to develop them over the years. It's almost as if, like, we needed... Oh, did we lose him? Yeah, we did. We, okay. We, we but, appreciate the call, Angelo. Yeah, we. it's like we needed a... We needed Mango to be where Mango is now, like, last year. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, I think almost like the project should have started a year... Earlier. Every, every once like, in a while, you'll hit it out of the park where Gorgie Jean comes along and he steals the starting job away from Terrence Jennings immediately, basically. Sure. But That's, it's not easy to do. It's still taking an under recruited guy and expecting him to perform just dramatically outperform his ranking at a high school. That, yeah. That'll happen every once in a while. Yeah, Rick yeah. has proven through Nazi Muhammad, Jamal McGlore, Gorgie Jean, Mingo, maybe, all these guys that he can do it. Yeah, and I think, I think what it is is, like, there's too much of a time span in between. So you have Gorgie at his peak. We all knew he wasn't coming back for his senior year, but we didn't really have that other project, like, in the oven ready to be ready served. To you yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's like now you've got Mango who's kind of, like, almost kind of there. Like, he's doing something, but he's better than he was, but he's not the place where he needs to be. But then you have, like, Anas who was, like, a whole nother year away from even been able to really, really contribute in the way that he will be able to. So it's like, I mean, hypothetically speaking, how we have like an Anas like last year. You see what I'm saying? Obviously, that's not well, that's what's possible. Going on. But had we had him like there and already this year, it's like a different guy. Like he's able to actually contribute now versus he's somebody on the roster that really we're not going to get much out of until next season. But maybe these other guys come in next year and they're actually, you know, it's just like I think there's a too much of a lapse in between. Project one coming into fruition and project two that 
need to be there when Project One is gone. Well, that's what's going on at IU right now too. I mean, they they lost Luke Fisher. They had Cody Zeller go out. They brought Luke Fisher, and they thought he was going to be the answer. He transfers out. They don't have anyone ready to really step in and be that center for them either. And uh, you know, to answer Angela's point. I would love to have a team full of projects and be the fourth best team in the country. I think that's uh that's you know pretty good for your future. And then uh, the you're asking Rick to be something he's not, okay? And he, when he hits, when he gets that top talent kind of guy in Louisville, it doesn't work out very well. He doesn't want it. Yeah, that's clear. So Mardo didn't work out very well. Uh, Terrence Jennings did not work out very well. Uh, Their character, Their character did oh not work God. out very well. I mean, comparing character and Smarto, Smarto statistically, I think he led the team in scoring one year. He did, but it's still it wasn't. Their character, maybe just as highly rated, was just a huge flop in hindsight. Right, but Hannon didn't work out as well as I would. Have. I would argue with that to the death. Mm-hmm. Till my day, dying day, I will argue anybody who rips Wayne or Shane. They won a title for us. They're both starters. Shane played a pivotal role in. Rick Bettino winning a title, and with that title, his era at Louisville is a success. The only guy, listen, I'm not saying that they didn't, they weren't good players. They were not the players they were supposed to be. Either one of them, and Wayne or Shane. Okay. The only guy that's been a top-rated player that he's done well with had to go through a really tough transition, and that's the guy Ashley mentioned earlier is David Pageant. David Pageant was the fourth overall player in high school basketball. He was a Kansas transfer, but he transferred from Kansas. He had to go through that learning curve and be willing. To let Rick tear him down and coach him, these guys that are that Cal's getting are not going to put up with right or wrong. Okay, are not going to are not going to put up with a year of being torn down and to just be built back up so that they can come back a sophomore year and 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 play. I, you know, it would it probably be worked out fantastic if the Harrison twins would have gone to Louisville. The, Rick probably would have been awesome for those two guys. But you think so? I don't know. That, 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 it's really difficult to project who will embrace Rick's hard mentality. We could talk to Derek Anderson about it or anybody who had played for him and hear. I mean, I don't know. That's tough. Mike, you, you, you know these guys better than I do a lot of them. I think Aaron would do fine. I think Andrew would have been transferring. <laughs> really? Think we lost one of them? I don't know. I think Andrew would handle it just as well as Chris Jones has. I mean. Did you guys see the text I sent to you? I just saw it. I, I don't know. And that was in his, uh, he was arguing with the fan. Yeah. Chris Jones received all sorts of criticism last night, and I, I got a call I got to take here. But Chris, it, it responded on Instagram, and it wasn't pretty. I'll uh, check it out. But, yeah, I mean, overall, I don't think, you can't ask Rick to be something he's not. I think they know exactly who they want to go after recruiting-wise right now. <laughs> then he's probably more likely to take a perimeter player who's ready to play right away than he is to take a big man. And um, and that's just the way that it's going to be. I mean, I, I, this Louisville team is still going to be really good and has a chance to go to the Final Four. No no question about that. Shinanu, I think, has all sorts of potential that he's just beginning to tap into. Um, he he kind of went under the radar as a recruit for the cards, and he provides that big post presence inside, at least a big, strong body. And... Anus uh, seems to be a, a talented big man. So they, they do have depth when they're not. It's so difficult for this cards team and for us to have a realistic perspective on this when we're comparing the cards to what Cal's doing up the road. That is not fair to any program whatsoever. That is one 
100% unprecedented what Calipari's doing from a recruiting perspective, from a length perspective. That is not something that you can compare any program to, really. So, I, love, I love that his Twitter handle is I'm unguardable. Um, <laughs> really <laughs> not. Um, but I just went back. It was on that same picture, the last picture he posted before the game, and it's all in the comments that people were kind of going off. And somebody was saying, like, instead of trying to pursue a career in the NBA, you should call Jennifer Lawrence and get into acting. Like, people, <laughs> a lot of people were throwing shots, and I don't know. They're like, throwing shade at him is what they're doing. Yes, they actually. And they were feeling some type of way. They feeling some type of way. Oh, they were certainly feeling the some type of way about Chris Jones, and he was feeling some type of way about them. Yeah, so apparently, some I don't know like where it started because I can't even find it. But people, he's arguing with this guy is Brandon John, and somebody else actually chimed in and was kind of defending Chris Jones, and um, and he, you know, he lost it. He he definitely <laughs> lost it. And I did see one of his messages was like five of the emoji guns next to the guy's name. Probably not good. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, there's three guns, and then the guy's name. Not good at all. And someone says, please delete this. <laughs> You're going to get in Yeah, <laughs> the response from Cards That's... fans has been funny, where a lot of Cards fans have, re- have screenshots of it, but they're like, I'm not posting it in here. On whatever group you look at, you know, it's a, it's something that you don't like want. Like, they're trying to protect him. They're trying though, to like, protect him. stupid. Because, I mean, like, if he had any common sense at all, he'd just delete the picture and all the comments that come with well, it. Well, he did, but once it's up there, it's up no, there. No, no, it's on his Instagram page still. Is it? The picture is there, and all 169 comments are there as well. So the comments that I sent to you guys are still up there? Yes, they are. Wow. we got to go to break. All right, got to go to a break. Be sure to stay tuned. We will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. It's past the 11 o'clock hour, and much to the chagrin of our man Hink, who may be the only Kentucky fan who calls our show. Do others listen? I don't know. Let's hear. Let's get some calls in. Regardless, it's past the 11 o'clock hour, Hink's favorite segment. The kids on the street call it Ashley's Crazy. It's also called Ashley's Loco Cinco. It's the five crazy stories in the world of sports. With no further ado, Ashley's crazy. <laughs> I can never start like right away. I always have to laugh because you're crazy. He did. She did not like my intro, by the way. While you were gone, I know. I mean, it just was so lackluster. <laughs> Big shoes to fill. It is. Yeah, it is. Um, so I have to preface this um, Loco Cinco because your favorite character in the world, Kelly, um, Justin Bieber, is oh, yeah. on the list twice. But, um, you know, people have asked, like, why would you put him on Loco Cinco? Because he's a singer. But, I mean, technically, he's evolved into an athlete. Like, sure. He's, he's, he's a, a boxer now, He's right? a boxer now. Okay. He, he's involved with the world of, of pop culture, and we he's like to cover stuff team. like that. We're hip. He's on the money team. So, story number one. Uh, apparently, Justin Bieber got himself a really awesome Christmas present. 
that apparently sparked a lot of uh, talk on social media. He bought himself a brand new set of wings for Christmas, uh, and his boxing trainer and friend, Floyd Mayweather, welcomed him to the most elite club on the planet, the private jet club. And they said, first rule of the private jet club, tell everybody about private jet club and that you're unofficially a member. So um, he posted a picture of himself on this new private jet that he bought himself for Christmas, and he says, yes, I got a 14-passenger jet, got to give them another reason to hate, (laughs) but I will motivate the people that are ambitious and want to be winners in life. I am guilty. He continued, I am materialistic and I am motivated by money, but God is first in my life. God will not give you anything you can't handle. That's why God gave me the best hands in the business to pray with, box with, and count money with. <laughs> wow. Come, on. <laughs> Come on, Bieber. You're making it tough for me to continue my, my support campaign. Yeah. That's tough. You don't go out, buy a, a, a plane, and then brag about it to every Joe Schmo out there and expect to... I guess he's trying to win over a different crowd, like the go-getter, upstart business entrepreneur person who says he's motivated by money, and he admits it. Mike, that, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not motivated by money, but... Uh, okay, that's not... Okay, but I mean business owners who... who yeah. Who, money, money is a part of the deal. Right. I didn't mean Absolutely. to take a shot I mean, at I'm, you. Oh, I'm not, I'm not doing it just so I can like work for free. I mean... It, okay. Yeah. You're doing it so you can buy a private jet and post but, it on Instagram. <laughs> but do you... Do you, do you, do you sympathize or relate to Justin Bieber anymore after this statement. Oh, oh yeah, man, we're buds. I mean, come on. I mean, this is this, this is the guy I look up to. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so Bieber not winning over any fans. All right. Uh, Bieber a, fever and He's a he's a he's a feminine hygiene product in the bag it came in. So Oh, oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, story number two, I just go ahead and throw him on under the bus, but apparently he was called out by former two time boxing champ Fernando Vargas who says his teenage son, Fernando Jr., would kick the crap out of Bieber um, and wants the chance to do so. So um, the Vargases were doing an interview with the bboxingnews.com when the elder Fernando was asked if he'd let Jr., an undefeated amateur, spar Justin since he's been training with Floyd Mayweather. Um, He said, bring him down. We'll meet him anywhere. I'd love to do a fight with Justin Bieber and my son. The younger Vargas... He weighed in, too, saying he'd seen Justin training with Floyd on social media and says he definitely wants to test his uh, pretty Canadian chin. Um, So apparently they're both, like, very serious about this prospect of Justin Bieber fighting uh, Vargas Jr. I would like uh, to see that. I'd actually like to see that also. I'd love to see him get his ass kicked. CM Punk made the transition from WWE, and he is making the transition over into the UFC because people want to see it. From entertainment into actual sport. Why right. not do it? Why not throw that as an undercard? People would like to see. Maybe people would win. Probably not. Not an undefeated amateur boxer. But Fernando Vargas Jr., Justin Bieber, as a Floyd Mayweather May 2015 undercard? Why not? Did, has Bieber actually gotten in the ring? I don't know. No, he, he doesn't have an amateur record, but he trains with Floyd. He trains, so it's like a workout thing. Floyd says he's naturally really good. Really? Yeah. Of course, he take for that, that what it compared to, <laughs> compared to who Floyd fights. Oh, <laughs> shots fired! All right, story number three. Story number three. Apparently, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a very not smart college football player took off his helmet during a brawl in the Miami Beach Bowl this weekend and appeared to swing it at an opposing player. Um, so, it was a fight broke out at the end of the BYU versus Memphis game. 
and it was after Memphis picked off a BYU pass to clinch the victory. Things got a little chippy. The benches cleared, um, and a Memphis player, Chase Johnson, he's number 68. There's a video online. Um, he took his helmet off and appeared to use it as a weapon, swinging it at a BYU player. So um, this incident is eerily similar to a high school football game in Pennsylvania last year where officials pressed charges against a player who swung his helmet at a kid from the other team. Um, so far, the officials from the game have not said or released any statement if there'd be any action in this issue or in this particular case. But um, I think that would definitely be one to watch and see if anything happens from it. But, like, why would you do that? That's stupid. It's, <laughs> the cameras are, like, everywhere. It got, that whole fight at the end of that game was really, really terrible just to see and just is very unfortunate. One of those cases of almost a Notre Dame, USC, Catholics versus the convicts, old school, um, I hate to say good guys versus bad guys, but you got the very religious Mormon team against the inner city Memphis team, and it didn't end well. And the kid's a freshman, so he's probably yeah, he's probably done. Yeah. Get a little carried away, use a, a, a helmet as a weapon, next thing you know, your, your career's over. I mean, really, does does he need criminal charges if all of a sudden he's kicked off the football team, his scholarship's gone, he's got no way to go to college? I mean, that's that's pretty big punishment enough. Yeah, that's huge. So. That's really big. And I think he deserves, in my opinion, yeah, you should be held accountable to. And if he's 18, I mean, if that's the law, why why is it all of a sudden? When, when Albert Hainsworth stomped on Andres Garrard's face um, in the NFL game 10 years ago, or I don't know, whenever that was, that was one of the more disgusting things I've ever seen, and I think he should have been held accountable for assault. I mean, if you're trying to do something that could kill someone, yeah. Yeah, all right. But but where does that end? Yeah. If you're throwing at somebody's head as a pitcher in baseball, attempted murder? Mm. That's tough. Because so, so it's it, hard to draw a line like yeah. and put like true parameters on that. Okay. Either way, the guy should call Brandon J. Lawrence. Brand- <laughs> <laughs> no question about it. Brandon J. Lawrence, who we would love to hear from before the show wraps up. I think up. he's in I don't, I don't think he's in the country. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, I think he's out of the country. Okay. Well he's gonna be in uh North Carolina. North Carolina. North Kakalaki. For the Belk Bowl? Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. You guys gonna gonna hook up and, and um uh, watch the game together? Cheer on, know, the, cheer on the cards? I'm hoping to watch the game from the sidelines. So I don't know where Brandon's gonna be, but you know he's so elusive. He'll probably be like He'll just show up right where you are. Yeah. He's going to be cheering on the, going, is he going to be yelling, go dogs? Probably. And hopefully his wife is saying, go cards. Go, do- <laughs> go dogs. He's going to be with Carlo, so he'll be all right. Uh-huh. He'll be with Carlo, so. Which makes means I'll have to kill one of the two of them by the end of the, <laughs> by the, end of the game. We appreciate Brandon traveling to go see one of the two bowl games from the state of Kentucky this year. That's right. That's very exciting mm-hmm. for the state, and it gives us us football fans here in the state plenty of re- reason for optimism. Oh, Kentucky's got optimism too with the new offensive coordinator. I'm excited about it. So we haven't really got to that too much, have we? We talked about it a little bit last week. We okay. got to go story number three, though. Four. Uh, four. Actually, four. Story number four. Um, Michael Sam is back doing interviews. Um, is he on Oprah. Yeah, that's going to air. It might have aired this weekend already, or it's still going to air yet. But um, I don't know why people keep talking to him. But anyways, he said that he had to deal with um, 
some severe homophobia at home from the time that he was a kid with his own brothers calling him the F word. Um, he says because he was different. Um, and it's the latest from his tell-all interview with Oprah. Um, scheduled, It was scheduled to air this weekend. I'm not sure if it actually already did play or not. In which uh, Sam, as the first openly gay football player to be drafted in the NFL, says his brothers would abuse him daily. Um, that They called him a lot of things. They called him an F. They um, called him gay. They called him anything that you could think of just to hurt him. He says that one of the most hurtful things that they did involved an MVP trophy he received. Um, I'm so proud of those trophies. And my older brother, he was just so jealous. He just broke them right in front of me, and that was the saddest thing ever. I Sounds like a lot of jealousy. It does. And I yeah. wonder, like, um, you know, stuff like this, because even, like, even with myself, I tell my own story and the stuff that happens, but... I have happened in my life, but you always have to be cognizant of how that stuff affects other people. And I wonder, you know, my biggest question reading something like that is how does his family feel about the stuff that he's saying? And, or is his family just at such opposition with him at this time that he doesn't really care or what? Like, I would wonder, you know, if that, if that was me, I would probably refrain from saying stuff like, that about my brothers yeah you probably don't want to air the family stuff yeah yeah like because i mean obviously like my situation we talk about like my parents were drug addicts like all of these things but i'm not gonna sit here and be like well this is what happened like specific things that happened in my household that's gonna kind of villainize people i don't know i, I think I michael sam came from a, a, a i may be wrong but i believe a family where he had many brothers and sisters maybe like 10 living under one roof or something like that and it was a, a very chaotic situation, and it's already been very publicized. So you can re- you can relate to that more than I can, Ashley, being that you are in the public eye, and that you you know you like you said you've talked about your your upbringing um, publicly. So that is interesting. How he's somewhat thro- uh, throwing his his brothers under the bus mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but is it? I mean, was it uncommon? For you no. to be a, a, a middle school boy and hear the F word, no. not the F-U word, but the F-A word, yeah. thrown around all the time, and people calling each other gay and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that happened daily. Yeah, yeah, because I don't think practice, that, that I mean, often was necessary, like a homophobic um, slam on a person. Like people say that, used to say that all the time. I guess people probably still do. Um, just as an insult, that didn't have anything to do with sexuality. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. I mean, people use that word. He, if I had ended up being homo, coming out as homosexual at one point, I could reference many times people said things like that to me. Right? That's just yeah. what young boys do to each Absolutely. other. Absolutely. I, I mean, feel like it's another word for like soft. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it's part or, of the culture. Unfortunately, have a p word too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'll never say that word because I don't want to get beaten within three inches of my life. <laughs> All right, anyway. Story number five. <laughs> Story number five. Back to another boxer. Uh, Woo! More drama for Jermaine Taylor. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I'm so tired of talking about him. But um, this time, the IBF middleweight champ has been accused of throwing a brick <laughs> at a woman near his home in Arkansas. According to the Pulaski County Sheriff's Department, a 30-year-old woman claimed that Taylor launched a brick through her car window and that she was bleeding. Um, and cops say that Taylor admitted to launching the brick, but claims he only did it because the woman was driving at him, like she was trying to hit him with a car. 
Um, and the shocking part is that neither one of them were arrested, even though um, cops say that the woman did have cuts to her elbow and damage to her, to her vehicle. Um, but no one got arrested. So he's saying that she tried to run him over with a car, so he threw a brick through her window. Jeez. <laughs> Jermaine Taylor, who at one point, as recent as... 2007, uh, looking at his record here, was on top of the boxing world. He was the clear-cut middleweight champion of the world. He defeated Bernard Hopkins twice um, and then lost a couple times to guys like <clears throat> Kelly Pavlik twice, Carl Froch, uh, Abraham. So some of the top names in the middleweight and super middleweight division ended up knocking him off. Nonetheless, Jermaine Taylor, a recognizable American boxing figure, not doing much for the sport these days as he had an altercation recently with what was it his his cousin i believe i mean he has really hit some rough times it's hard out here in these streets so which you, you should know kelly that's right oh yeah i mean i can relate so what's, no. what's, what's, <laughs> what's, what's your favorite story uh my favorite story is justin bieber releasing a statement that because he has got a airplane more people should be able to relate to him. <laughs> That's what I vote for. You guys? I'm going with the Chris Jones story. <laughs> the Chris Jones story that Chris was Chris Jones Instagram. <laughs> Chris Jones Instagram is in a league of his own. <laughs> Golly. Do we even want to talk about that? Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line 502-384-1450 is the way you can get involved with the show. Chris Jones had a rough day yesterday. <laughs> to say the least. He was, what was it, 3 of Let's, 15 from the field? He was unbelievable on the defensive end, though. I mean. And that that's why he'll continue to play. Right. right. And Rick, remember Bryant Northern? I mean, yeah, Rick yeah. has had guy after guy who he says, you're open? You better shoot it or you're coming out. If you can play defense, and when you're open, you shoot it, you'll play for Rick. Am I wrong? Uh, I mean, defense is a huge part of it, and you know, he'll have days where he hits. He, still, he got to the line and was effective at the free throw line, too. I mean, it's, it wasn't like it was a total total wash. He had their only assist and uh, only had one turnover. So, unless you want to count some of those missed shots as a turnover. You know what's impressive to me, though? <clears throat> and, and this can't be, I think, understated. So, UK's played five ranked opponents this year. Four of the five have been held to under 30% from the field. Of ranked opponents, the Kentucky's held four of the five ranked opponents under 30% shooting from the field. That's pretty amazing. That's impressive. Yeah. So, I mean, we can put this all on Chris Jones, but he's... No, I don't think anybody's putting it all on Chris Jones, but we're definitely saying Chris Jones was terrible yesterday. But he, it, he didn't handle the stress very well afterward either. Challenge. Honestly, I feel like he was trying too hard. That's the, that's the issue, I feel issue, like though, he Kelly. was trying too hard to duplicate his performance from last year, because last year against UK, he was great. And I, I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> Kelly's uh, microphone Kelly just fell. Broke his microphone. <laughs> I don't know that it's broke. Uh, it's just uh, fortunately, I've got. It's great... definitely feeling some type of way. It's really <laughs> Speaking of feeling some type of way, we haven't really. Been... We haven't heard about like what kids are saying this week. No, but w- maybe w- if we don't hear it this week, we'll get to it next week, okay. and we'll continue to educate the masses on what the kids are saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. and I think now we have a good grasp on throwing shade and feeling some type of way. So I think we're ready to expand our horizon. We do. We need to implement slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. All this does is show how big of a 30-something white guy I really am. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yes. But, you know, nonetheless, we're talking about Chris Jones on Instagram. We need to be able to, you know. And at the, and just to be fair, at commercial break, I said, how do you get on the Instagram on my computer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an Instagram account. I'm, I'm on Twitter, I Facebook. Actually, 
I do, but I don't use it. So what, what, I would like what? to say that thanks to my younger brother Keith, who it will be twenty one in a couple of weeks. Um, that's how I stay up on how to use the Facebook and the Instagram <laughs> the and Facebook. the Twitter. <laughs> that's my favorite when people do that and they go the, the Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, storylines out there right now to talk about. We got the Buck Bowl coming up. Go we, Cards. We got the, the Cards losing yesterday. Oh, the, can we, the cats? Can we not cards. say the Cats winning? We, I mean, the Cats winning. The Cats there we won go. the Battle of the Bluegrass last night. Cats, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. There um, you go. What, what, yesterday. What I saw before the game was Jeff Goodman, and I forget the guy who was hosting with him on what ESPN. What cool he is, by the way. But he, he specifically has, is, has rivaled himself, I'd say, with Matt Jones. They're not necessarily on the best terms. They go at each other on Twitter. All the time. Regardless, though, he was giving Kentucky all sorts of props. But when the other guy, and I forget his name, I should know it, asked him before the game yesterday, is this Kentucky team potentially the greatest team ever, going to go undefeated and do with the, what was it, 72? 76. 76. Who only had to win 32 games, too, by the way. Just... Regardless, yeah, they went undefeated and they won it all, and are generally regarded as the best college basketball team ever. The guy asked Jeff Goodman if if Kentucky deserves to be in that conversation, and he said, "You should have seen his face. He was just disgusted." That's good, yeah, he said they haven't even played a road, real road game yet. Well, now they have. Now they have. So, do they deserve to be in that conversation? Is this the type of team that has the guard play? And I'm specifically saying guard play because I think that's possibly the one area of concern. Am I wrong? No, I, I don't. I don't have any concerns about their guard play. So, what do you have a concern with? Nothing. Just them being up for every game. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. They the guard play. They're they're deep enough that if somebody like last night, the Twins did not have a great game. Well, Booker and Ulysses did. They're not going to have a game more than likely where they all lay an egg. You know, they may have a game where three of the four lay an egg, but. I, you know, I just, they have too many weapons. I, but I still, and maybe this is me holding on to my childhood, I still look at that 96 Kentucky team as being like the, the team for me. As far as excitement goes, I would say yeah. And I don't remember, I wasn't born in 76. Right, the Indiana team you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember that team, obviously, so right. I, I don't have any real point of reference. But as far as excitement and aesthetically being watched, you're right. That 96 team takes the cake. Well, for us, if you want to go like that, it was the, the 90 UNLV team, which was just incredibly fun to watch. Maybe the Arkansas? The Arkansas 40 Minutes of Hell team, 94. Um, 96 Kentucky. I didn't enjoy watching 92 Duke, obviously, but you kind of say that they were still a great team. Sure. So, Grant Hill, Christian Leitner. Right. Both two of the greatest college basketball players ever. And uh, But that 96 Kentucky team, Nine guys on the that went to the NBA, and uh, one of them still playing. And um, Nazi, yeah, which is incredible. Uh, it's to me like if I had to take a senior Tony Delk and Derek Anderson <clears throat> and Ron Mercer, I'm taking that backcourt before I'm taking the Twins and Ulysses and Booker. And and to me, the, the front court might swing for this team, but that still had you know Mark Pope, Nazi Muhammad. Uh, Wayne, uh, Walter McCarty, all those guys could really play too. So Antoine Walker, Antoine Walker was pretty good. I shoot threes because they don't, there ain't no fours. So man, he he was good. He was, and he was in good yeah. shape. I mean, there there was a stretch there where he was one of the top players in the NBA for probably about you know 
two or three seasons. Statistically, he yeah. shot it plenty. Yeah. I think I saw his name show up in some stats when I was watching the NBA recently as maybe the guy who shot the most threes without a make. <laughs> so I did see his name still pops up here and there. Him and Chris Jones. God. Sure. <laughs> no. they, they both play, Coincidence that they both played under Rick? I don't know. I think Rick tells his guys, if you're open. Got it. Or if you think you're open, Russ, you better shoot it. Yeah. We'll be back with more of the weekend sports bus. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Indoffo here with Kelly Patrick and Ashley Miller. And this is the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brand J. Lawrence. Give Brand a call for the J stands for Justice. Best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville and, and Cats fan. So that's, you know, all around good things to do. We're going to hop right into the, uh, let's talk a little NFL. Sure. Big right. day. Huge Big day. day. We, got, uh, we got basically the NFC is pretty much wrapped up on who their teams are going to be. But the seeding is all out of whack. Um. You know, you've got teams, multiple teams that could still get a buy and still be the wild card. And uh, the only thing that's up for grabs is the epic matchup between Carolina and Atlanta for the winner of the NFC South. They're, one of these two teams is going to get a home game. Do you feel like that's the, that's right, that one of these two teams should get a home game for winning their crappy division? Not really, no. I don't think that's the case. But under the rules, you got to win your division to get in? Seven. Someone's going to have seven wins. And, and win the division, and win the division, and get in. So, uh, but right now we're, uh, and then you got a nine and six Philadelphia team who had a great season, who's going to be sitting at home watching the, this whole thing too. So, three teams, or actually, I'm sorry, five teams in the NFC tied at eleven and four, searching for those buys right now. Dallas, Detroit, Green Bay, Seattle, and Arizona, all sitting in at eleven and four, all could end up with a number one buy, and all could end up uh, as a wild card. Uh, I'm sorry, Dallas cannot be a, a wild card, uh, a wild card, but the other. Good. A big day. Speaking of Dallas, before we get to making our NFL picks, we're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 502-384-1450, where we got our man Brandon J. Lawrence on He's the line in. with He's us. Here. All right. Hey, what's happening? How y'all doing? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Same to you, Brandon. Good morning, sunshine. What's happening, man? <laughs> what's going on? Go, what's up? Go dogs, baby. Oh, don't He's start. He's got the Georgia stuff out, right? All right. The SEC, living strong. I'm with you. <laughs> exactly. Carry no, man, that was a good game yesterday, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I felt like it basically went the way that you would expect it to go. I mean, I think if that game is played several times, 70% of the times, that's how that game's going to go. Kentucky wins by eight, and it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be low scoring. I'd also like to say yeah. that every Louisville-Kentucky matchup so far this year has been really awesome. Like, women's basketball, men's basketball, and football have all oh, been yeah. really, really, good, really games. good games. Yeah. Which I feel like is what a rivalry should be. Like, I don't want to see a rivalry game when someone's getting blown out. Like, that doesn't make it fun at all. Sure. Yeah. Is it real, but Mike, is it really a rivalry now that when the men's basketball? Oh, I knew you were going to say that. It's starting to feel, it's starting to feel a little bit about like Kentucky Tennessee football. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, but you know, Kentucky Tennessee yeah, football. You know, I mean, you know, or Kentucky Florida, more like it. Yeah, 
Well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. seven and one. Uh, they gotta get. They gotta get to like four or five wins for it to be a rivalry again. Well, I mean, right now, I, this Kentucky team is just on such a different level, and um, and I and I, I really felt like Louisville did what they had to do. I mean, they got the things they had to get done yesterday. They had the game officiated the way they needed it officiated. They got the turnovers they needed. They just couldn't really score off those turnovers. And uh, I, I thought Kentucky's defense was just unbelievable. <laughs> so, Brandon, I've got three. I've got three questions for you, Brandon. Uh-huh. Number one is: Does Kentucky go undefeated during the regular season? Yeah, I think they go undefeated. I think they go undefeated like the whole year because I think I think they'll win the championship. Um, so I think they go they go undefeated the whole year. I think they'll beat the Indiana record. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now I got who do you pick? This is an easy one. You got the Redskins or the Cowboys today? Uh, I mean, probably probably the Redskins. Really? Because hof- hopefully they'll sit uh, Romo and Demarco Murray, um, get you know get them healthy. So uh, so Romo won't have to take too many more back injections during the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, um, so Red Redskins will probably win. All right, Brandon. If you're unbiased, you're trying to be unbiased. You take your Cowboys fan hat off. Does Romo deserve your vote for the MVP of the NFL? Oh, man. Probably, probably hasn't thrown it enough. Um, but I would say probably no. Probably no. But doesn't Dallas need to have – Dallas needs the win today to get a first-round bye. They need to They need to get to 12-5 or 12-4. Can they get it? I didn't, I didn't know they could get it. Um, maybe they, yeah, maybe I mean, they can't. Maybe yes. they can't get it. I don't know. I'll bring it up. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they can't get it. But they, if they do, no, I think they can't get it. I don't think they can get it. Okay, right? that might be right. See, uh, but you might be right on them. But if Dallas wins today, they're going to go eight zero on the road at this season, which is amazing. They haven't lost a road game yet. Wow. That'd be Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, you know, and then plus if they win next week, they'll go on the road to either uh, probably probably Seattle or Detroit, right? Well, it depends if who wins those and, matchups uh, today. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, you know, I, I think they got a real good shot, man. I think I think the winner, I think it's either, I think the NFC uh, champion is going to be either Seattle or Dallas. I think they're going to the Super Bowl. It's either going to be Seattle or Dallas. I think so. Okay. Brandon, thank you very much for calling in. We look forward to hearing from you next week. Have a, a very happy new year. Thank you. All right, man. I'll see you in uh, Charlotte, Ashley. Later. All right. Well, you're obviously going to have either Detroit or Green Bay is going to have 12 wins because they play each other. Arizona plays the Niners. They lose. They go 11-5. and five. Seattle loses. They, they would be 11-5. Um, and five. And so the only other 12-4 and four team out there would be the Cowboys. It shows that Detroit and Seattle are both 11-4. and four. And right. it says that Detroit wins a tiebreak or over Dallas based on best win percentage in conference games. But Seattle could still lose today. If Seattle lost and Arizona lost, okay, is that not? Am I looking at this wrong? It says they Seattle also, also wins tiebreaker over Dallas based on best win percentage in conference games. Yeah, but I'm, Dallas is eleven four. If what? Dallas won and Seattle lost and Arizona lost, Dallas would be the two seed. Let me see here. 
There's so much to fall and follow in the world of sports. We just gotta... I don't think it's real life that Dallas loses to the Redskins today. No, I think they. I think they win. He, you know. Oh, sorry about that. Anyway, the uh, yeah, I, we we'll get to our picks though. If you all want to go ahead and yeah, dive it, right it, in there. Brandon was right. It says there won't be any final week desperation this time after the Cowboys crushed Indianapolis last Sunday. Um. Yeah. So so today's game doesn't look like it. It 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 matters really for the so Cowboys. So explain to that to me then. How I don't. Does... I can't explain it to you. Okay. All right. Well, if someone can, well, I'll keep reading about in. it. I'll try to find something. But the uh, and the AFC side, we have a little bit more. Up for grabs, I guess you can say. We have five teams that have clinched, and New England's got clinched the number one seed all the way throughout uh, the playoffs. Um, so Indianapolis has clinched their division. Denver's clinched their division. We've got the epic matchup today between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati for who's going to win the FC North, but both teams are going to be in the playoffs. But it's a big deal whether or not you get a home game, especially I think more so for Pittsburgh to get that home game than it is for Cincinnati. Really? Uh, don't you, do you agree here? Well... <laughs> I mean, since Bengals then, haven't won a, a playoff game in twenty three years or something like that, so we'll take anything we can get. Cincinnati, well, just uh, any any edge we can get, we'll take. And actually, I, I guess I sh- I'm speaking out the wrong side of my mouth because they're both um, five and two um, at home. Well, Cincinnati with the tie, five two and one. The Pittsburgh's five and three on the road, and Cincinnati's five and two on the road. Um, I'm, oh, did I hear this? Oh hear the my magic words? gosh! I'm putting my I headphones think, down right now. I think now. we need to go to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz line where we have a caller on the line. Uh, it's Hink. Hink, are you there? Bye, guys. What's going on, fellas? Hink, I just need to hear um, the 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 two words you normally say to end your call. I need to hear that up front. <laughs> Man, look, we all know Louisville sucks. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Ashley knows that. You can leave if you want to. You really don't need to be here. <laughs> you don't need to be here. I mean, you just a formality. You a tax break. That's what you are. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Such hate, Hank. Like, I, I really <laughs> have some love for you. <laughs> let, me, let me say this. Let me say, let me say what it is and what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, for, I mean, for about three weeks now, I called in about two weeks ago before I went to Chicago. I called you guys and I told y'all, Lou was not as good as y'all think they are. And, it's, and they obviously proved it yesterday. It was, it, it was obviously it was proven. Y'all trying to pump uh, Montrez Hurl as an all-American. And come on, man. Montrez is real as that, as that elbow that, that Chris Jones took. That's how real Montrez is. Y'all need, y'all need to stop it, man. This guy is not real. He pumps himself. He hypes himself up more. He's more hype than anything. I mean, he gives himself all the praise. But yeah, he gonna go over like some two year old child and pout slam the ball on the floor. I did see that. He said, "I keep that." You don't sit down the team, do you, dog? I'm just trying to figure you out. That's what you act like, a baby. I mean, your team is in trouble. Your team is down. You're supposed to be some type of leader on the team, but yet you out there. Get out of here, then. He's that little, he's that little kid. You got, he got special needs. 
They got they got classes for you, my friends. They call learning disability classes. They call behavior disability classes. Uh-huh. That's what type of course you take at your age. Cause you're sorry. You are bummed. You're two year old cry baby. And then that little dwarf that you call Chris Jones that want to be hard guy. Come on, man. You ain't tough. You're five foot something. You want to be the best. You are Napoleon. You got the little man disease. Take your little bitty wide butt on right over to you and my trans can go play peanut together. Y'all go play, play jacks. I play marbles. Because that's all what y'all doing. Y'all ain't ready. I get that. The only player I give on your team with credit is Terry Rosier. Now he played tough. He came to power. Then y'all gonna sit there and wonder why did we put that Egyptian play out there? That boy would have got molested. He would have got mishandled. He would have got treated like he was a prisoner in Ireland. No, he wasn't ready. Don't put that boy out there. He would have been traumatized. He, he would have been traumatized. The boy's college career been on if he had came out there and got beat down like he would have. So don't go sitting there, little boy, little little boy out there. He's not ready. And then you had uh, Magoya. I don't know what that uh, Corey guy with the with those sorry uh, Mr. T. Mohawk. You ain't tough either. You're soft. <laughs> according to you, you a want to be my transfer? Come on, dog. <laughs> you was up there getting DUIs and and and, 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 and walking while drunk down at the down at Churchill Downs. You ain't ready to be tough either. You just happy because you got your green card. Louisville, you know, I'm tired of talking. Later, baby. All right, well, uh, I will say that Hink, well, obviously we talked about Anas not being ready to play in a game like that, and Hink brought up that point as well, if, oh, if you all could. my goodness. But also, I mean, Hink brings up a point where, you know, the Harrison Twins get nailed for pouting all the time, and Montrez definitely was frustrated, definitely was pouting towards the end of the game, and he definitely slammed slammed the ball and, you know, kind of kind of babyish towards the end. And we've seen this a couple times when he's frustrated. Montrez need to kind of mature up a little bit, or what? Honestly, I think, um, obviously, there's something my coaches used to always tell me about body language that coaches watch, that scouts watch, that fans watch. Like, everybody pays attention to your body language, especially when you are the star player on the team. Everybody knows that Montrez Harrell is a very emotional player. Um, I think that's part of what makes him great. I also have said in years past that when he's upset, the whole world knows it. When he's down himself, the whole world knows it. And that's not something that's a positive for a guy in that type of limelight, especially in this, I guess, phase of his career. It would act against so, him. It goes against him in the NBA. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't want to pick a player that is emotional like that. I mean, when I was playing in college, if we knew there was a person that reacted that way and you could see it on their face, like we just kept going at them. You're going to bait them. So, you know, you're just going to you're going to either make them explode, you're going to make them um, you know, basically check themselves out of the game because they're so emotional and they just can't even focus anymore. And he's that type of guy that you can see in his head and you can tell when you've you've been successful at that. So that's definitely something he has to work on. And then, uh, and I, I'll even go a step further. When we were recruiting high school kids to come play in college, um, constantly making notes about like how the kid goes in and out of the game, how they sit down, how they, what they do when their coach is talking. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff. If you're a, if a high school athlete who's trying to get recruited, 
every single person who recruits you is watching you and your demeanor on your bench and how that happens because no one wants to take – if they're going to take a chance on you, they're not going to take a chance on a headache. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, there's yeah. a moment that you're labeled as a head case. It's over. It's over. So it's like it's twofold. Like everyone loves an emotional player that plays like – it makes the game fun to watch. However – they don't want a head case. Right. So it's like it's a very fine line to watch and or to walk in. I love Montrez Harrell, but he's flirting with the line. I agree. Okay. So look back to the NFL. We, uh, <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, let's, let's try to make – we appreciate Hink calling in. Absolutely. Representing Big Blue I mean, Nation. do we? Do we really? I do. I, I, uh, Mike does. We yeah. collectively maybe don't. Mike appreciates it. No, I appreciate the I like participation. It. Hink, Hink, we call him out when we when it's the time. I love his rants just because you can't even interrupt them. Like no. you just have to sit and listen to him because they're so aggressive and they're so like heartfelt. Like I appreciate the energy that Hink brings. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I disagree with everything he says. He's the Montrez Harrell <laughs> of Kentucky callers. Oh, oh don't, don't, don't say that. He's gonna call back and yell. <laughs> Don't let him hear you say that. I might I mute my own mic when Hink's on because yeah, you know, he's got to go. Yeah, just let him go. Let him, and he's been wrapping it up in a timely fashion, leaving us time to make our picks for the week. So let's let's go ahead and get started. What what games do we need to pick this week? All right. Well, I just want to make sure that we're clear. So the four the four teams in the AFC that are still alive for a wild card spot. So you know who who's actually playing for something. The Chargers, the Ravens, Houston, and the Chiefs are all playing for playoff spots. Okay, so that starts us off with our first game of the day. Cleveland at Baltimore. Baltimore, again, 13.5-point uh, favorites. Baltimore, last week, really needed to come away with a win, and they and they totally blew it. And uh, But now they got this Cleveland Browns team, which no Josh Gordon, no, or, uh, no, uh, no um, Johnny Manziel, which actually is probably a positive. But uh, so who do we got? Thrown. <laughs> well... We'll see if Johnny's still in the league in two or three years. Who uh, who we like in the in the Cleveland Baltimore matchup? Definitely I'm Baltimore. The Sorry. Ravens, yeah. All right, we're all taking the Ravens. Then we go to uh, the game we were just talking about with Brandon J. Lawrence, Dallas on the road with a perfect seven and zero road wor- record so far, uh, going to play the the team from Washington, and Dallas is a four point road favorite. Um, you know, I guess it's still up in the air whether or not Dallas has something to play for or not. From what I see, they still do. Um, and so I still think this is kind of a pivotal game. So I'm taking Dallas. I've got Cowboys. I'm going Redskins. Always got to be different. Yeah, it, it, you know, hasn't served me very well. <laughs> but I'm taking Brandon J. Lawrence insider tip on it. He well, I'm telling Redskins. you the last time Brandon J. Lawrence was on this show and he picked the Redskins, he yeah. was wrong. So, oh, Shade Throne. Shade Throne. The, it's uh, like he picks the Bulldogs over my Cardinals. Go Dogs! <laughs> <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts still somewhat alive, but on the outside looking in for a uh, for a, a first-round bye, I think. Uh, they go to Tennessee where they are a touchdown road favorite. Tennessee is playing for something as well because if they lose, they secure the number one pick in next year's draft uh, with the worst record in the NFL. They will be 2-14. and 14. Wow. Um, I've, uh, i i got to go with Indianapolis. I'm with Colts. Colts. All right. Then the next game is Jacksonville going to Houston again. Uh, Jacksonville still in the running for that number one pick. They are 3-12 and at this point. Uh, Houston is a 9.5-point home favorite, hoping to get in the playoffs. you got to go with Houston. 
Yep, I got the Texans. Texans. Then we uh, have a huge game. Both these teams are in the runnings for a playoff. San Diego going on the road to play Kansas City. Somehow San Diego is a one-point road favorite. Um, Kansas City won the previous matchup between these two in San Diego. Um, I like generally these. I'm, I'm actually going to go with the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chargers in a close one. Chargers. Alex Smith is out, isn't he? Is he? I, I don't know. All right. Maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm going Charger. Um, the New York Jets, Jets, Jets are going to say goodbye to their head coach today when they go to Miami. Really? Uh, the, supposedly he's already packing up his office, and uh, ESPN's reporting that he's telling people that he's going to be fired. Uh, but no word from the Jets yet. And they're playing the Miami Dolphins, who um, got a win last week over Teddy Bridgewater uh, with no help from Teddy's defense. Uh, Miami is a six-point home favorite. Uh, and to me, Miami is hoping to go into this because I think they're a playoff team next year. Uh, I'm going to go with... I've got the Dolphins. Dolphins. Then we go to the NFC North. Uh, Teddy Ball game is going to end his first um, NFL season at home against the Bears where the, where the Vikings are a six-point favorite and the Bears are terrible. And so I'm going with Minnesota. I... <sighs> My system says the Bears. My heart says the Vikings. <laughs> I'm going to take the Bears. Taking the Bears. All right. Vikings. All right. Kelly, the Vikings. Buffalo going on the road to play New England. Uh, New England has nothing to play for. Uh, they've already clinched that number one pick over, or the number one spot for the playoffs. And they are a five and a half point home favorite against a, a decent Buffalo team. I mean, an eight and seven Buffalo team. I'm a Patriots. I still haven't decided on this one. So. Bills. You're taking the Bills? Yeah. I mean, who are they play- who's the quarterback for the Patriots? I don't even know. I, I'm not sure. Um, just because it's at home, I'm taking New England. We've got six minutes left, guys. All, all right, fine. let's pick well, it up. Well, all right. Philadelphia is uh, going – it's not in the playoff anymore. It's going to play New York, and the New York Giants are a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. I'm taking the Giants. Hmm. What are you two? Giants. All right. Eagles. Kelly doesn't care. He's already been eliminated also. Um, New Orleans is a four-point road favorite going to Tampa Bay, uh, which, again, is just a terrible ball game. Uh, but I will take the Saints. You got the Saints. Saints. Oakland, who's played well, right, in the last couple of weeks? Sure. Yeah, they yeah. have. I mean, Derek Carr having a, a good season, really. Um, going to Denver. Uh, Denver still trying to lock up that last or trying to lock up the two seed, so they they get something to play for, especially after looking terrible against the Bengals last week. Um, I think Peyton's hurt, so it's going to be interesting to me to see if they rest him and just go to the playoffs and let him play in the playoffs, or or what happens here. But I'm still taking Denver. I'm taking the Broncos, and I think Peyton's too much of a he's too hard headed. Yeah, to if let them sit him. Yeah, at this point, he's done that in the past, and it's burnt him. I'm going with the Broncos. Arizona uh, going to play the 49ers in what will be Jim Harbaugh's last game, it looks like, for the as the 49ers head coach. Um, I'm hoping that the Niners go out with a win. Arizona's already in the playoffs. Uh, I will take the Niners. Cardinals. Arizona, oh, San Francisco, by the way, is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. <clears throat> Niners, because I don't know who's starting a quarterback. for. I think it's Lindley, but regardless, I, I, I'm going Niners. The uh, St. Louis Rams, who I think are one of the great stories right now, 
because I think they're playing. They can play some really good football at times. Uh, going to Seattle to play uh, the Seahawks, and the, ironically enough, the Seahawks are a 12-point favorite for the team of the 12th man. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still, again, are playing for position in the playoffs. So you got to take Seattle. I'm taking Seattle. This is a revenge game. They uh, lost to them earlier in the season. Seattle. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a 12 point game. Carol, here's the. So now we get into the three games that matter. Carolina goes to Atlanta. Atlanta is a three and a half point favorite. But I've always I've been saying all week. I think this is going to be the Panthers game to win. I'm going with Carolina. I'm going with Falcons. Falcons. Detroit at Green Bay. Detroit has not won. In Green Bay, since Barry Sanders was on the field. So it's been 20-something years, 21 years. Green Bay is a 7.5-point home favorite. They are a completely different team at home than they are on the road. I am going with Green Bay. Packers. Packers. And then the night game tonight, Kelly's Cincinnati Bengals versus my wife's Pittsburgh Steelers. For the AFC North, Pittsburgh is a 3.5-point home favorite. Is that all? Yeah. This is going to be a good game, man. Steelers. Oh, going with the Steelers. Steelers. I'm taking the Steelers as well. <laughs> no, yet it's going to be a good game. 